0: From Grain to Glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. And I'm Gordon. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Gordon, why are you sitting over there? Why aren't you sitting over there? Uh, Because there was a stack of games. There's a whole stack of board games that we'll talk about in just a second. First, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link to my homepage and join today. We'd also like to give a big shout-out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Hoppenbill Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Sinsen, and Phil Feldman. If you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash Studios or click on the patron link above our homepage at blinderstudios.com and become a patron today. All right, Brian, what have you been up to beer-related
1: lately, my friend? Uh, we went to inbound in Mm. minneapolis uh we went to a twins game and had to obviously stop at inbound um was really cool to see uh, the brewery in full swing uh obviously like everybody else they had a real rough time during covid and uh they're back making some really good beers um we all used to sit down at the end of the bar on the corner Towards the offices and so of course when I rolled in there there they were like bumps on a log, the brewers sitting at the end of the bar. <laughs> at the end of the bar still. <laughs> like they haven't moved. They hadn't moved. <laughs> like preserved since you left. Yeah, since like so like when the bosses would would not be uh at work like one day, like we would just sit at the end of the bar and drink and play cribbage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they are still making some real great beers. Uh, we went home with a few uh, four-packs, uh, but, yeah, I got to see some of my old coworkers. and awesome. It was really fun. it's very cool, man. Nice to see the, the old stomping grounds. Yeah. So what about you?
0: Um, I uh, spent a long weekend, I don't know, like Wednesday through Sunday in um, Indianapolis so I uh, checked out some uh, brew stuff there. I was there for Gen Con, so that was kind of the primary focus. Um, had the uh, the Sun King. Uh, so every year, Sun King does a Gen Con-specific beer. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, this year's was... Oh, man. I got to look it up again. Um, because I just had it. Uh, was it Genevieve this year? No, that's 2015, 2019, 2020. Why don't they just make it super easy to find every year? (laughs) Like, it should just be the thing. All right, um, beer. All right, not important. Um, It was a Belgian style, um, and it was pretty good. Um, And then we stopped at a, it was just pretty good. Uh, We stopped at a couple of different breweries. (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) So you didn't like it, huh? I liked it. It was just fine. It was <laughs> It wasn't what I wanted when I was standing in 90 degree heat. Oh.
1: Yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah,
0: I had their uh, their Mexican lager uh, a lot more. Yeah. Because that's what I wanted when I was standing in 90 degree heat mm. um, after a day of wandering
1: around with nerds. Yeah, speaking of Mexican lager, what are you and I drinking a can of right now?
0: Uh, this is um, uh, this is a can of local
1: craft beer. No, it's not. You're drinking a Modelo, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lie to these people. <laughs> yeah, they know better. They, they do. Know. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, we're uh, we're in the we're in the early stages of uh, our first fall here
1: in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, false so, fall is in full, full effect swing. It's like you know in the '60s and shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty yeah. soon it'll go back to the '90s.
0: I don't. Uh, yeah, pool's getting close. I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I, oh really? I'm yeah, okay. I'm out. I'm yeah. done with this. We're in fall now. False fall. <laughs> I've decided it's like when I decided that false uh, spring was spring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, this is such a weird part of the world. I I'm like. kind of over it, like by more than a little. Yeah. Just I'm I'm defeated, man. Just defeated. That's how she goes. Uh, what about you, Gordon?
2: Anything? Uh, the only thing recent, albeit, is a month ago went down to Madison for a little three day trip. Oh, fun town. Yeah. Got uh went down there see some friends and went over to Carbon Four and mm-hmm. the other ones. Octopi Brewing. Okay. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we went and checked them out before we went over to the... Uh, is Bay.
1: Octopi still like an offshoot of... It? Like, weren't they like... Of who? Well, I was, oh, maybe I'm thinking of Untitled Art. They had a collaboration with an, uh, Untitled yeah. Art. Okay, there. or like Untitled Art was making their beer at Octopi. Something There was yeah, some I connection. I guess it says... Uh, oh, no, no, no Octopi uh, does co-packaging in, yes. in Wanakee.
2: That's what it is. That is what it is. Ah, uh, I knew I it. I just saw there's some untitled art in the yeah. four packages. Yeah, and there. so
0: I'm
1: guessing untitled cool. art co-packages at well, Octopus. Yeah, it may yeah. have been like the brewer from this brewery, and the brewer from that brewery, I think was the thing. But I think the lat when we were trying to sell beer down in Madison, they were like like you couldn't you know, like you couldn't not find it or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to put it. Yeah. Well yeah, that was um, fun. That's that's about it. Other than
0: that, <laughs> I didn't have time to do much of anything. Okay. Um, yeah, I, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, we already did that one, we did that, uh, so
1: now we're talking about, oh, I was very excited when I saw the, I mean, we'll start with this Reisdorf Kolsch, um, that's in this big 16-pounder can, but, like, for the next episode, there's another beer I'm very excited about, yes. so when, uh, you, when you came wandering downstairs today with these two beers, I
0: Well, was... and you know who you can thank for these, who? listener Tyler. <sighs> Oh, that's right. Yeah. These are the continuation of those beers. There is one more after these. Tyler Romanski, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Um, yeah, so that is, uh, yeah, so we have the uh, Reisdorf Kolsch. I'm trying to pull up the, you know, there uh, we go. Wow. Well, again, so a lot of these, like, finding a English website, not the easiest thing in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a uh, Kolsch from uh, Cologne. Like, it just, I mean, it is what it is. It's a Kolsch, right? I don't know if there's really anything else to say about that. I I think out of... All right, here we go. Uh, Get found in description. Very light color, slightly malty, uh, fairly soft palate, dry finish. The Kolsch is fermented with an alias but mature... At cooler lagering temperatures to produce an ale's fruity complexity with a lager's
1: crispness. So we'll get this going around, and then we'll start rating it. I think of the many, like, cities, or, well, I should say, well, I guess, yeah, cities and countries and stuff um, that I've been to, Cologne um, is all the way up there with one of the my favorites. Oh, let's pour this bad boy.
0: Yeah, um, and so kind of... Uh, I guess not really going along with this, but so today we're going to be talking about foam instability. So we'll kind of talk about that a little bit on uh, these on these pours here, because one of us has foam and the other. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you poured hard I've too. Poured mine kind of tall because I wanted to see what the the how the head dissipation would go. So I'm I'm getting a clear medium uh, gold here. Um, I've got two fingers of. Beautiful uh, looking head. Yeah, a beautiful head. Um,
0: uh, yep. Yeah, I mean, this pale gold color. It's beautiful, crystal clear. There's a slight, like, uh, it's like a bready fruitiness on the on the nose. Pear. Um, is a- that what that is? Apple, um, but not, like, bad green apple. Um, yeah, like, uh, if you cut into, like, a honey crisp or yeah. something.
1: I don't know if there's maybe just a hint of pepper, but bread... Bready, sweet, malty, not grainy. Mm-mm.
0: Uh. uh Flavor-wise, uh, I mean, mouthfeel, like, it's just incredibly dry. Um, I'd say medium, very, medium light. Yeah, body. very
1: di- dry. Um, very very stubborn carbonation, um, which is good, because then it, it helps with crispness and mm-hmm. good hop character, not out of control. Um,
0: yeah, there's there's a firm bitterness there that mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Yep. Like a bright
1: fruitiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the hot bitterness is balancing this beer out nicely. And your head is sticking around delightfully. Yeah, it is. I'm getting lacing too. Mm.
2: I normally don't care for Kolsch. I'll be the only I've only had a handful <clears throat> in American Kolsch that I've had. This seemed kind of bland. Where this one seems to have a lot of, lot of different flavor
0: Man. layers, if you will. This is beer. This is really good. This is very good beer. This is incredible beer. If I could drink this every day, I would. I mean, you 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 can. It's it's like <laughs> it makes my look. statement less
1: impactful. <laughs> quiet, quiet over there. i <laughs> drink it side by side with my Modelo. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's no comparison. That is, is way good. better. Yeah, the the like it, it's it's very good. It's incredible. Um, I can't wait to go to Germany and just drink German beers yeah. for a month. I'm very excited about that. Yes. But, all right. Well, let's talk about foam and stability. I don't know if we really have anything else to say about the Kolsch. Yeah. Damn, go find one, guys. That is no, no. incredible. Reisdorf, Kulsch. There, there was a lot of. <laughs> There was there was just a lot of syllables there that I don't think needed to be there, if I'm being completely honest, but we'll we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Alright, so we're gonna talk about foam and stability and first, Brian, why do we give a shit about foam? Because Yep just because. Oh, I I mean, I was hoping
1: for like a little bit of a substantial answer. (laughs) Well, I, man, I feel a little bit on the spot actually, but um, I mean, you are a little bit, but like, that's how this like that's nothing new. I think it's exactly. I think a big part of it is, is in the experience of beer is the, the visuals, you know? And so to see a fresh pint of beer with a nice head on it is just a beautiful thing. Um, You know, and we we, potentially we associate like quality with the fact that there's head or not head. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, as we'll get into, that's not really anyone's fault other than the person that cleaned the glass, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether that head shows up or not. So.
0: Well, and you also have uh, like uh, the the head can carry a lot of flavor up, like mm-hmm. it can aerosolize like yep. a lot of those volatile compounds and make them just a little better. Yep. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it is, it is mostly a visual thing. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen it. At- bars not so much breweries but new younger
2: bartenders will actually keep pouring off the head until it's like just straight beer to the top of the glass and it's like yeah that's a real I problem. like the, yeah I Oops, like the presentation uh, in the mic you know at least at least a fingers width of of yeah. foam on there
0: well you also have um the camera assholes who get real mad if there's any head in their beer and they're like <laughs> you're shorting me on my pint <laughs> jeez
1: <laughs> yeah there's like, and then you know there's a lot of that gordon and then also like when when there's Jamming the glass up into the nozzle or into the you know the the faucet. Um, I mean, sometimes that's like holy crap. There's a line out the door. Let's just get this bastard poured. Yeah, yep. but whatever.
0: Yeah, and then you have some bars where they fill them from the bottom, but we already complained about oh, that once. Brother. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a neat novelty item. It sure is. Sure. Um, all right. So, how does foam
1: form? So, your carbonation level and your temperature. And before we kind of get into the AB, I would mention, um, you know, when when you're at a keg party and the beer is real foamy? Mm -hmm. It's because CO2 wants to jump out of the solution when the beer gets warmer. So, your higher carbonation, well, sorry, carbonation level and temperature. So, temperature is that piece to it. Higher carbonation means more foam
0: yep yeah so you have you have two things that are working there like so the colder a liquid is the more it will hold on to um gases that are in it right but also if there's too much gas it's just going to offload some of that no matter what so the more you have so the more temperature and the more car or more carbonation you have like the more foam you're going to get And so you're trying to balance those two to get the level that you're looking for. And so part of it is like when we look at the BJCP guidelines, do they give a like a carbonation value or you start looking at things like how many volumes of CO2 do I want in this? That's going to also affect like how much how much head do you want in this beer? Like if you look at like wheat beers and stuff, they're they're gonna have or in Belgium specifically are gonna have a lot higher carbonation because you want that like that fine tight bubbly head.
1: Yeah. So the the range for bottled or keg is two to two and a half volumes, and the uh, the apparatus that you n n apparatus that you can use that a lot of breweries use it's very cost effective is called a. A z a h m, and it's literally that's all it does is it measures how many volumes of carbonation, um, and like I said, it's it's pretty cost effective and most most breweries have it, but it is also like just carbon to, ta- to to taste, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or I mean not necessarily that you're tasting carbonation so that's kind of a weird way to say it well but, but you are, you are like it affects the mouthfeel yeah. it affects like yeah. how you experience the beer there like, is some carbonic you get the qualities. carbonic bite you get the carbonic acid right but what I more meant is carbon as much as you want where it won't blow up <laughs> blow up a bottle right or
0: blow up your keg God forbid right. Um, and then you also have, uh, so that's 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 like the base of it. Then you also have the thing that causes CO2 to be released, which is nucleation. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to have some points of nucleation in a glass, like anywhere where like the, the bureau hit the glass, like forms
1: like, you know, like agitation and nucleation kind of work yeah. side by side. Or, um, or yeah, you know, when you, when you see like at a bar, there's like a glass has kind of pitting around where you like stacked the other glass into mm-hmm. it, that's a very common nucleation point. So uh. that's why you shouldn't stack pints, but if you have minimal space, what do you, you know, what
0: Right. do um, And then even like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings uh, in, engraves, their laser etches their uh, logo in the bottom as a, specifically
1: as a nucleation point. Uh, delirium Tremens too, they're, well, there's a, I, not just them, but the, I own a lot, a lot of beer glasses, mm-hmm. a lot of beer glassware, and there are like, it's it's co- common and popular for Belgian beer glassware to have that as well, because they want that big head, right?
0: They mm-hmm. want they want those more nucleation points to force yeah. more CO two out of the out of the solution. So that's what causes it. Um, and then when we say foam uh, stability, we're talking about how long that head lasts. Um, and there's a like so. Small tight bubbles are more stable uh, or long-lasting than large loose bubbles, and we've all seen that uh, as home brewers. You've you've poured a beer that has big loose, um, like almost like pillowy bubbles, and then you've also poured beer that has very small tight, like it looks like almost like one cohesive unit of of foam at the top, right? And the, the small ones are going to last longer because uh, they have more surface tension. And so the liquid in them isn't going to fall back down
1: into solution quite as quick. Hmm. Yeah, It's yeah, <laughs> fun science. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying off, Mike. I'm like, this is a good episode because there's like nothing to bitch about or argue about. It just is. It just is.
0: <laughs> like it. It just is. There, I mean, there will be some things that we can talk about a little
1: bit later that I think are a little bit like. Uh, Gordon, if you're if you're sitting over there just listening to us, try and think of something to bitch about, no. and then we'll 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 get into it. <laughs> And hopefully it doesn't lead to a story about paint, you bastard.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No paint in the beer. Well, how else are you supposed to get green beer?
0: Oh, Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. no, no. Found it. So, uh, Brian, why don't don't you talk to us about some proteins, huh? Proteins.
1: So, uh, (laughs) talk about protein Z. So, protein Z is we'll talk about that in a second but what is it polypeptides we'll talk about too but polypeptides are like the building block of protein so protein z is the most abundant protein in beer this particular protein z is resistant to uh, proteolytic enzymes so it, it'll resist being broken down in the mash um oh where are my notes now
0: yeah, sorry, I, sorry, I kind of threw a minute. So, yeah, so uh, we're going to be talking about uh, proteins um, yeah. and iso-alpha
1: acids, and these are components of good foam. Yeah, you had protein Z first, and on my notes I had LTP and LTP1 first. But, so protein Z is, like I like said, the most abundant uh, protein in beer. Um, when we start talking about that, we can start talking about LTP, which is a lipid, l- trans- lipid, tran- yeah, lipid transfer protein. Um, so it moves lipids around the membranes in
0: barley. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about lipids, uh, farther down. Um, and then, so the, the two, like, so the shared characteristics between protein Z and LTPs are they're both hydrophobic. Um, and so they're going to, uh, seek out the CO2 and create a protective layer around that gas bubble. And the gas is going to carry it up, um, and create foam. Um, And then they're also uh, Albumins which are and, yeah. albumins, which are water soluble class of protein, right? So you like they're hydrophobic, but they're also water soluble. So figure that one out in your head. <laughs> um, but this is important because there's a direct correlation between the proportion of albumins and uh, hordeins or alcohol soluble storage proteins found in barley um, and foam stability. So as like you you want to get like so the more there more uh, albumins you have versus uh, hordeins, the more stability you're gonna have. If you have more hordeins than uh, albumins then your phone's gonna your foam is going to dissipate quickly or you're not gonna get that big fluffy head. You're gonna have those big large poofy bubbles, if you will, that are gonna dissipate fairly quickly.
1: You you said the word hydrophobic, so if you use context clues, you can say that like these proteins are scared of water. Yep, like a
0: rabid raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> That's why people listen for our folksy wisdom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, and then we have iso-alpha acids, which are kind of the second the second building
1: block yep, here. Those are also hydrophobic because the iso-alpha acids are an oil, and your iso-alpha <coughs> acid is a when you've isomerized your hops by, you know, boiling them at a certain temperature, that's the separation uh, or what they get transformed into and isoalpha acids are the thing that when a blue light spectrum hits them, it skunks the beer, if that gives people more context um, but these iso-alpha acids, like I said, are hydrophobic and they work with the albumin proteins to create bubbles and so there's these iso acids that are are like kind of bonding with the proteins. Um, so of these isoacids, like your isohumulone, isocohumulone, isoadhumulone, um, out of all these, isocohumulone is the least hydrophobic. So we've talked a bunch, if you go back, about all the way these humulone, cohumulone, and adhumulones kind of work and the different flavors that they sort of lend Hop-wise. So when we talk about these co or humulone at all, it's do mm-hmm. with hops. Yeah. Um, and
0: then, so, yeah. So, like, the the like, yeah, it's... I had a thing I was going to say, but it doesn't matter. So we're just going to move <laughs> on. Um, a lot of that going I, around. Well, and I was trying to, like, fact-check myself in my brain, and I couldn't real quick. So I was like, I'm not going to give out bad information. Yeah. So... Don't, All right, don't do um, yeah, so uh, now we're going to – so that's uh, – those are, like, the building blocks that we're looking for um, throughout the building process. We're, we're really trying to um, balance uh, or, like, increase – if we want more foam, more foam stability, we want to get uh, more of these iso-alpha acids. We want more of these uh, proteins, right? So, how can we do this in the brewing process? Well, first, we're going to start with the malt bill. This is the biggest factor um, in in foam because proteins play the biggest uh, part. And also, we're going to be talking about lipids. So, um, like, yeah. So, malt the malt bill is going to supply the foam stabilizing protein. But it's also going to supply lipids, and lipids are fats, oils, wax. Waxes and hormones that are insoluble in water and present in malts and other grains that um, increase the surface tension of our of our beer. So if you have the increase in surface tension, you're not going to get that that buildup, and it's going to prevent bubble formation. Right? Just like if you put like you know, um, like if have you ever made soup and had like the scoop the fat off? That's what we're talking about, lipids. Right? <laughs> Um, I, I just I just like I don't know why when Gordon's here I have to turn everything <laughs> into like a very simple metaphor. <laughs> um, so uh, lipids compete directly with proteins and isoacids uh, to lead to foam cr- collapse because they make the bubbles heavier. Um, and then malted barley uh, contains about three percent lipids. Um, so
1: well, and then I don't remember where I read this, but the and maybe this is ahead in the notes, but it like the LTP and LTP one <clears throat> amounts are relative to like where the barley is grown and mm-hmm. like the, mo- also the moisture content of that harvest that, that year too. I do not have that in my notes. That's awesome. Okay.
0: I read that somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why I send, that's why I try to send the, the notes a little early and then Brian does research and surprises me with fun facts. Sometimes <laughs> I try really hard, Brian, yeah. I have a lot on my plate. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, when you go through the buffet and... <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's been too long since I had Gordon in the studio. <laughs>
1: uh, I found that note. So, yeah, like, there's, like, like we were just saying there's dozens of variables that impact differences in head foam quality, texture, retention. But the quantities of LTP1 on a specific batch of beer are directly related and could can be trans, uh, traced back to factors like how wet... Or warm the climate was that produced that particular oh, barley, yeah. Which is why you really want to like each. Well, I don't know if you want to do this or not as a home brewer, but like you, <laughs> you want to explore like the, the the batch number and and uh, you know explore where this stuff was from. Like in pro brewing, there you de- you definitely have the option of digging into what's called a like a COA sheet. Um, that tells you all of that information. Like it's
0: usually like a QR code on the bag, right? Yeah, that
1: too. Well, not every maltster. But okay. <clears throat> yeah, if you do business with like say Brees, for example, they'll send you a COA malt sheet, and you can you can really nerd out if you want, um, and you know really kind of analyze all that data. But I don't think most breweries have the time or the money. Uh, I would almost guarantee you that your Budweisers. Um, And your bigger breweries are are. probably paying some sort of scientist person to analyze all that type of data. As a home brewer, could you just, you know, here's my batch date, go into the
2: website and punch it in and would it give you that? Kind of like a FedEx tracking number?
1: Yeah, I would say some maltsters would provide that on a homebrew. If, if you're
0: logo. buying it by the sack.
1: By, by the right, sack, yeah. yeah. Like if you just go in to the homebrew shop and you're like scooping grain out of a bin, like all bets are off. Yeah. Unless the homebrew shop is really like.
0: i really on it.
1: On but, even, but even then, like there's. You're still going to have like
0: batch mix up and things like that. Like, yeah. Um. All right, so uh, adjuncts, uh, so we're back to malt bill. Uh, adjuncts of, like, simple sugars, um, so we're talking about, like, rice, um, like, corn sugar, like, things like that, um, are going to reduce the concentration of proteins, but they don't contain any lipids. So that's important to know because, yes, we're we're reducing the amount of proteins, but... Or the concentration of the proteins, but we're not adding any of, like, the the was it uh the foam uh the foam negative um additives right so like you don't it like this is all about like a balancing act because we want to keep those as foam positive as possible um And so wheat has a higher concentration of uh, pro-foam proteins. So if you're adding a bunch of simple sugars, right, maybe add a little bit of wheat in there, and that will kind of, you know, that's more Ah, foam positive. Um, Also, uh, malts with more melanoidin uh, promote better
1: foam stability. Yeah. uh, geez, To remind people, melanoidin is, like, the difference between, like, toasted bread like bread and toasted bread, so the more like bready character that occurs when you're malting, um, it's just just a almost caramel. So when we say mm-hmm. like a melanoid malt, it's like bread cracker. Yeah.
0: Um, and then higher modified malts will lower uh, foam stability because of the proportion of albumins and hordeins will be off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our modern malts are not necessarily foam positive.
1: Yeah, they're like more modified just basically means they're more more uh, amenable to
0: readily convertible.
1: Yeah, converting starches to sugars, because if you just pulled like a barley husk off of a stalk in a field like and tried to bite on it, you would break your teeth like. Mm (laughs) So so these more modified ones are, are way, way more desirable for brewing because they convert super easily. Yep. But also because they convert super easily, um,
0: there's a lot more enzymatic activity, which uh, will break down those uh, longer chain proteins, which makes the foam stability and creation less. Um, and so, and then studies have also shown uh, that carmels, even though it's purported to be good for head retention, which there's a lot of marketing around that, uh, will add more lipids to your beer, causing worse foam stability.
1: That was a little bit um, crushing and mind blowing for me to read earlier, because um, you you've always been told, or I've I had always yeah. been told, like, oh yeah, they'll add more, you know. But no, in fact, it's adding more lipid structure. Yeah. Which... So you you might get a, you might
0: get more initial foam, right? Uh, and better there, but it's not going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Because what about, what about bumping up mash temperature? Uh, yep. Yeah, so we're going to get that in the oh. mashing. I got you, Gordon. I know. No, that is, thinks... that is that is a fantastic yeah. question. Are though. You not reading the notes? Gordon? Um. And thank <laughs> oh. you for that. And actually, thank you for that amazing segue because Brian's going to talk about
1: mashing now. People who like you know are new to this are probably wondering why we're so mean to Gordon. <laughs> Oh, maybe you know why. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So as far as mashing goes, your protein rest, uh, that is happening between 95 and 113 Fahrenheit or 35 to 45 C for our over the seas listeners, are foam negative because they break down the uh, foam positive proteins. Uh, higher mash temp, or as Garden was asking, higher mash temps, lo- and a lower p- pH of like plus or minus five point one, and low oxygen pickup will increase foam and stability. So decreasing enzyme activity leaves more foam positive proteins in the wort. Yeah.
0: yeah so yeah, basically, we want um, it, the more foam you want, the less enzymatic activity you want, which is. Like we've spent so much time talking about how to increase enzymatic activity mm-hmm. and make, make your mash, make more, mash efficient. more efficient. Yeah. And now we're like nah, hell nah. Oh you hell want
1: nah. more foam? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're like let's 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 throw everything you used to know out the window and like let's let's get some foam. Mm-hmm. Let's make a bubble party. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so gravity. Uh, so gravity too high. So this this is an interesting one too. So uh, you don't want your gravity to be too high because that's going to cause the yeast to become stressed and release foam damaging uh, proteolytic proteolytic enzymes and lipids. So when we were talking talking about um, yeast, if you go way back, um, when it gets stressed, it uh, it deals with that by trying to or by releasing like just basically dumping its reserves and then it'll slowly try to clean those back up, but um, a lot of those enzymes that they're going to release are going to break down these
1: proteins. Yeah, proteolytic enzymes are, or proteases, um, They their job is to break down, well, one of their jobs is to break down protein. Mm-hmm. But the, and these are like enzymes, enzymes are nature's catalyst, basically, and they're made by like animals, plants, fungi, bacteria, and in this case, a eukaryotic organism in yeast.
0: Yep. Yeah, so we want to, we, we don't want to go too high, we don't want to go too low, we want like that that middle ground. So, um, you, you want to be within, I would say like that, that five to to eight percent range, like when you're doing, when you're building your beers. Um, and then, uh, loudering, uh, because both, uh, polypeptides and lipids will adhere to the grain bed. So polypeptides are things that we want because they're hydrophobic. They're going to, uh, help create those delightful bubbles that we want, but lipids are things that we don't want. They're bad. But because they both end up in the grain bed when loudering. so it's a net win for, for foam stability because you still have those proteins, but you're getting rid of the lipids, right? Yeah,
1: and your loudering is just a fancy way of say, saying separating liquid from solid. Yeah. So when we're like loudering we're basically we're like rinsing almost. Yeah. So we want clear beer.
0: I think is uh, what I'm trying to say here. We want we want clear beer. Do we? Is is that allowed? Yeah, it's a lot. That hasn't been it's banned hard. yet. Yeah, well, all right. So at least we want it clear going into the into the boil kettle. All right, I don't I don't want to see none of that. Like I don't want to see any dishwater go going into the boil
1: kettle. Oh, all right, like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ryan, you want to tackle boil? Sure. For
1: so during the boil, um, <clears throat> your foam positive proteins become denatured because we're boiling the crap out of this thing. Uh, for a variety of reasons, and their hydrophobic regions are exposed. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, geez, that's kind of like when you're tanning in the nude, uh, which is <laughs> which is good for foam formation. Um, but because they're exposed, they're more likely to be precipitated out of the wort, or so, like, when we're, uh, they're lost to, like, hot break or trub. so, when, you know, when you're... Boiling the your work, there's a bunch of bunch of stuff on the top, and there is like some talk about like skimming that mm-hmm. too, which I don't know if. Yeah, you
0: know. so skimming like I mean this is this is a I guess this could be an argument against skimming because mm-hmm. you're you're pulling out those
1: those foam creating enzymes that might be the argument for mm-hmm. skim for to not skim. So, but we also need to boil. The hops for isomerization um, to get the alpha acids uh, from the hops so that we can balance out our beer. So the longer the boil, the worse it is for foam formation and stability, which I is an argument against ninety minute boils, that too, I would say. and um, that's why, and that's why the argument for more highly modified grains comes into play. yeah,
0: so. well, yeah, cause like you also have the more highly highly modified grains, which means you can do a lower boil, but you also have, the less uh, you have the fewer proteins, but also because you're using the highly modified grains, this you don't is, need to do a protein rest.
1: This is where I say brewing brewing good beer is hard. It's not there, easy. There's so much push and pull, and we're talking about, well, you could do this, but then this will happen, like this this whole episode so far. Yeah. But
0: it's it's all a balancing act, and you have to figure out mm-hmm. what's the most important thing for your beer. I mean, we're not even into
1: fermentation yet and what that does. <laughs>
0: Well, so fermentation, uh, when we're talking fermentation, basically, what we're looking for here is we want healthy yeast. We want a good vigorous starter um, because it's just gonna have better foam retention results because unhealthy yeast, like we like we talked about before, releases uh, the proteolytic, proteolytic. proteolytic enzymes, um, which is going to uh, hurt things. And also fatty acids produced by yeast, like when we're talking about yeast dumping, um, those, those are like those uh, the fatty acids, the, the lipids, like those are coming out um, and that's going to hurt your foam retention. Um, higher alcohol also because ethanol um, will hurt foam retention because it lowers the surface tension of the, of, of the beverage, right? Yep. Um, so those bubbles have nothing to cling on to in order to make foam, um, which is why like if you get like a 12% stout, usually it doesn't have a ton of head right, it, it's, like, it'll get down, and it'll, like, go away pretty quick, mm-hmm. and it'll just be, kind of be, like, a slick oil thing on the top. Um, lower temp, uh, ferment, fermentation temps will help as well, because, again, better yeast health, the yeast is going nice and slow, it's not going over, and then uh, lower uh, exogenous, exogenous uh, processes, which break down the LTP1
1: protein, which is the one that we want. Well, an exogenous is a fancy way of saying it's uh, like something developing as a result of external factors. Yep. So, <laughs> just
0: uh, yeah. we just want like we want our fermentation to be low and slow. Yep. Uh, and that's going to give you good bubbles. So with the high ABV, was it with Big Oaf? I know it's been a
2: couple of years, mm-hmm. but that seemed to have pretty good head retention when we were testing out. Yep. That also was had that a just- ton of protein inducing oh, adjuncts. Okay. I was just yeah. curious was, was that a blind squirrel finds a nut kind of situation? Yes and part- no. Partially, but
0: um like but you you had a like you had an idea of like okay so I want these things because also like the things that give like good good body and mouth feel will also add a lot of proteins for yeah. the most part unless you're like trying to like backfill with lactose or things like that. Um but a lot of those like that chewiness comes from the protein and then we also did um I think we mashed pretty high on that one as well yeah. which would have pushed that again like so we did a lot of foam positive things in that beer that ended up like but if we tried to mash low dry it out and make you know a 14% beer and then we iced it like that's not going to have any foam ice beer <laughs> right um let's talk about glassware and
1: serving Brian. Yes. I can talk about that. Um, dirty glassware can ruin everything. Um, so you, you're just, you're creating excess nucleation sites, um, with little pieces of dirt. And so this is where we talk about why the heck are they rinsing my glass, um, before they're serving the beer. So detergent or other cleaning agents can be like invisible and they're residing in the glass and that can decrease formation. Make sure you rinse your glass. Um, also, like etched glassware, we talked about that. Um, like glasses that got like stacked hundreds of times. Um, less foam, uh, lipstick or chapstick you might have on, I, or I was gonna ask
0: because we there's one bar that we go to locally, that- dude. Every single time every he has lipstick time. on his
1: glass, I, I get, I'm like, God damn it! And I wipe it off like, every single time. So certain waxes and compounds and like lipstick and chapstick can block protein interactions. Can also poke holes in the bubbles. Believe that or not, um, and that kills kills the beer foam. Obviously. I mean, I've I've poked holes in some bubbles. Like I've seen them pop <laughs> with your lipstick or chapstick and or chapstick. I yeah. only use chapstick to pop bubble holes. <laughs> So greasy and fatty foods can can mess things up too. So like lipstick fats from foods that are in lips can they can pose a detriment to your foam stability and the overall length of the foam life. Uh, alcohol content we've talked about obviously ethanol actually like deters stuff. Um, after one percent ABV, ethanol's ability to d- to d- deter foam progressively increases. Oh really? Yes. Uh, temp uh, not only affects the perception of taste, which is not a whole episode necessarily, but uh, I think that could be at least half an episode. Yeah, something it's something to talk about, but it also like messes with the overall attractiveness because they're how many, like you were talking about. You're like, oh, I'm standing in the sun and you're drinking an ever warming Belgian beer that really just should be a lot, a lot cooler. Uh, a lot cooler. So um, we're talking about the process of uh, just. Per- oh god, even I I typed this and I can't pronounce it. I practiced at home disproportionation so this is when smaller bubbles get absorbed by larger ones to create like like a like a super bubble like a <laughs> <laughs> kind of like like spotty or like kind of bladdery effect and this happens oh, at yep. higher temperatures and so then that creates poor foam and so you know when you see like there's lots of different ones you're like oh there's big bubbles there's little bubble bubbles That's bad that is disproportionation
0: yeah when we, we've all we've all poured a warm beer right yeah. and you have like that big lacy foamy yeah. thing where none mm-hmm. nothing like looks good and it and it looks like it's kind of alive and coming at you <laughs>
1: yeah and another thing we did not talk about because this is mostly was a lot of centered around carbonation and um, you know co2 but nitrogen Has a very unique uh, ability to produce like this creamy rich mouthfeel and a thick head that produces some killer beers. We mentioned disproportionation and its relation to temperature, but also has to do with the solubility. So, uh, of like the gas in the liquid, and so this nitro gas isn't like very soluble at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, it kind of produces these like much more molecularly small bubbles that keep these creamy stable heads going and then kind of make that cascading like reverse waterfall waterfall effect um and again probably nitrogen nitrogen in beer is a whole like half an episode maybe but there's a lot more to foam than we thought apparently yeah It's, it's and
0: then uh and that's without even getting into glass shapes yeah. Because the amount of surface area that you have at the top
1: of the beer will also affect
0: what, what kind of foam you have, how long it sticks around. Yeah, and, and that's
1: why a hefeweizen is poured in and like it's real small at the bottom and it goes all the way up like whoop like a yep. big thing. Like a baby. big bulb. Big wheat glass Mm -hmm. Um, And you
0: have like The little narrow Pilsner glass
1: I'm not gonna ask If I'm gonna ask When did we do A glassware Glassware (laughs) episode I I think Oh It's been years
0: Yeah (laughs) Years Those like Glassware episodes Are what happens When we run out of ideas (laughs) (laughs) Yeah All right. Well uh, Do you guys have Anything to add To foam No That was a long one Thanks for sticking With us That was kind of a lot I really enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun Me too Hope you guys did, too. I'm going to uh, play down some bed music here while I thank you about things. Well, thanks for sticking around and uh, chatting with us on this. If you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios. You can follow us on Instagram at blindnewstudios. And uh, go ahead and support us at patreon.com slash blindnewstudios. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace!